0: novel.
3: When I started reporting this story, to be perfectly honest, I knew fuck all about hockey. Luckily, AJ and some of the players patiently took me through the basics.
4: Hockey, you know, is a sport that's played in an ice arena.
3: Okay, got
4: it. And each team has a goalie defending a net, and is a little rubber puck.
3: Goalie net puck? Sounds simple enough.
4: Basically, your object is to get this puck in your opponent's net.
3: Understood. But there was one core element of the game that still perplexed me. The violence.
2: Once you put the skates on and you step on the ice, you are a beast.
3: Because hockey is really violent.
2: Yeah. This hit, does he leave his feet? Oh boy,
5: that's close, you know, a lot of... Boom, oh, this is an absolute carnage collision.
6: Barbaric, watch this. Oh, just destroyed!
3: In fact, aggression is such an integral part of the game. There's a whole language to go with it. A language I needed to learn. What is a sucker punch?
2: When uh, you fight with other guys and the guy just games from nowhere and just gonna... Punch.
3: Listen,
7: that hockey stick, you're carrying a weapon.
3: What is a chop? Can you describe it for anyone that doesn't understand hockey?
7: A chop is a slash. You grab your stick, you're skating by someone, you slash someone over the wrist, you know you're going to either break their wrist or you're going to make that person stay away from you when they're trying to be too rough. And then if they don't stay away from you,
1: you got to drop the gloves.
3: Drop the gloves. That's when players literally take off their protective gloves, throw them on the ice and prepare to fight. And this is the really weird part. It's totally legal. Fist fighting in hockey is all part of the game.
6: Big and now burn the
3: but if it was a complete free-for-all, there'd be virtually no players left alive. Some types of fighting are allowed, other types of violence are strictly off the table. Ultimately, someone has to say what qualifies as a rule-abiding ass whooping and what's an illegal one.
7: If you want to fight and drop your gloves, fight all you want. That's part of the game of hockey. If you take a player and you take your hockey stick and swing it at the head of an opposing player and connect with it, that's not fighting. That's malicious intent to injure or to maim in that situation, I don't want you in my league.
3: That's United Hockey League Commissioner Richard Brussel. In April 2004, he signed off on the Trashers joining his league. And now he's wondering if it's a decision he'll live to regret. Jimmy Glante has presented an impressive marketing plan, which Brussel has no doubt will bring his league a much-needed publicity boost. But with a teenage president, it's not clear if it's the kind of publicity he wants. And now the Galantes are part of the league, the commissioner has to make sure their team play within the rules of the game. The trashers will have to respect that fine line between permitted fighting and forbidden violence.
7: It's the commissioner's job to ensure that these rules, regulations and bylaws are followed to the letter of the law.
3: In short, Commissioner Brassell is responsible for keeping AJ and Jimmy's team in check. He can suspend or even expel players from the league if they behave like thugs, or, in hockey speak, goons.
7: A lot of people called me the till of the hun because I didn't think twice about banning a player. If a player threw somebody into the ice and banged his head on the ice, that's not fighting. That's goonery, and I won't have it. You're
3: gone. Commissioner Brassell can issue huge fines. We're talking thousands of dollars every time the rules are broken. And... If the Trashers still don't respect the rules, if they make a mockery of the league, Brasel has the power to chuck them out altogether.
7: It's my decision to make. There is no way to overrule a decision that I make.
3: The Trashers are about to start their debut season. Jimmy and AJ have invested time and money into building this team from nothing, but if they're not careful, it could be game over before it's even begun. I'm Claire Crofton. From the teams at Novel and iHeartRadio, this is The Fighty Pucks. Game three Drop the Gloves.
5: Entering its 14th season, the United Hockey League has attracted more than 16 million fans. The UHL's fan base has grown over 400% since opening its doors in 1991. The upcoming 2004-2005 season welcomes 14 member clubs in seven states, including expansion, Danbury Trashers, Kansas City Outlaws, and Motor City Mechanics. The UHL continues to provide an exciting brand of hockey with rosters comprised of a mix of young, developing players and established veterans. UHL Hockey, action-packed entertainment at family affordable
8: prices.
3: It's October 15th, 2004, the day of the Trasher's inaugural game. Commissioner Brasel is headed to Danbury. He usually attends the first game of a new team, but he's a little nervous about this one. Jimmy and AJ have promised a lot. A shiny new arena, a full professional team. And they've only had six months to do it. On top of that, Danbury's never been a hockey city. Will anyone even show up? Rossell lands in New Haven, and less than an hour later, he's driving into Danbury. As he pulls into town, the scene rolling past his car window gives him the answer.
7: There were banners everywhere in people's yards, Danbury trashers. They had media, paparazzi out there like you can't imagine. Roads were closed off because of how much traffic there was. Okay, very impressive to see that.
3: Rossell parks up and forces his way through the crowds towards the arena. He steps through the big glass doors into the shiny new lobby. The smell of beer is almost as intense as the noise. The game isn't for a few hours, but the place is already heaving.
7: You couldn't even get into the merchandise area. That's how crowded it was. And all the fans that are coming in are wearing Danbury Trasher jerseys, t-shirts, hats, all of that. I mean, this is unbelievable.
3: People spending their hard-earned cash on merch for a team who have never even played a game before. Brasile's first impression was right. Jimmy and AJ's marketing plan is a total winner. He wants to find them, congratulate them on doing such a great job. But as he heads to Jimmy's newly built owner's suite above the rink, his path is blocked.
7: I am accosted by a group of the rowdiest fans you could ever want in the world.
3: There's about forty of them in total.
7: They immediately surrounded me to welcome me to Danbury.
3: These guys are dressed head to toe in Trasher's colours—black, blue, and silver. The team name and logo gleams from brand new hats and T-shirts. They reek of beer and they're shouting obnoxiously. It's clear to Brissau exactly what they're here for.
7: They were going to be rowdy assholes and going to make it miserable for opposing teams every time they were in Danbury Arena. So, uh, you know, shook their hands, took a couple pictures with them.
3: After posing for a few selfies, Brassell heads upstairs.
7: I go into Jimmy's suite. He's got a big spread of food there and his wife is there. Jimmy goes, hey, what do you think, Kamish? I said, Jimmy, it looks fantastic. He goes, yeah, we're going to fucking kill it here. We're gonna fucking kill it here, you mark my words.
3: Sounds like Jimmy's riding high on adrenaline. He and AJ have put in a hell of a lot of effort to get to this point, and it's worked. The arena's full, and the fans are already going wild. Why wouldn't their night be anything but a success? But in this moment, just two hours before the game starts, not everyone in the arena is feeling quite so confident. I was terrified. Every team in the league has their own commentator. At the mic for the Trashers is Phil Jubileo.
6: I don't know what it was, but for some reason my exterior did not appear nervous. But I was definitely nervous.
3: He's arrived early for this opening night to familiarize himself with the place before the game starts. But when he makes his way through the fan-filled lobby and into the rink itself…
6: Guys are still painting in the building, like the railings to the seats…
3: The scene around him is sheer chaos.
6: The paint was still wet. Like, if you put your hand on a rail, you'd have like a blue hand. And I'm like, how is this place going to be ready to host 3,000 people?
3: Phil looks up at the spot he's meant to be broadcasting from.
6: This platform, there was no table, there was nothing there. They're like, don't worry, it's going to be ready for you. Okay. So I put my stuff down, all of a sudden these two guys show up. And literally around me, they're building a booth as I just stand there. And they have their power drills and they drill everything together. And then all of a sudden, they mount this like marble table. And they're like, here you go. Here's your broadcast
3: table. That's not all that's stressing Phil out. On another microphone down by the edge of the ice, there's a man screaming.
6: Number 49 from Brainford, Ontario, Rick Gretzky.
3: The Galantes have hired a rowdy guy from the local radio station to come and hype up the players as they skate out onto the ice. He looks like he may have had one too many beers on the way over, but to give the guy credit, he's taking the job seriously and practicing hard. It's one thing
6: you're testing out the microphone and you go through the roster once, but like there was several hours of this, like nonstop.
3: It's 30 minutes until the puck drops and the game begins. The crowd filters into the arena to watch the players make their first appearance on the ice. It's our hype guys' time to shine. However...
6: It turned out he lost his voice before the start of the game. He was screaming so much. Then he just kind of stumbled out.
3: Phil tries to keep his cool, but with all this mayhem, he's finding it difficult to imagine that in a few minutes a professional hockey game will begin. And he's not the only one freaking out. As Phil shuffles his game notes, in the owner's box high above the ice is AJ. Tonight, he swapped his baggy t-shirt and shorts out for a suit. He's looking very dapper, but also terrified.
4: I just couldn't believe like this was happening and you're about to play a legitimate game.
3: AJ's used to the eyes of Danbury being focused on his family, but it's usually his dad in the limelight. Now, as a face of the Trashers, it's his time to take centre stage. And he's beginning to feel the pressure. His mind is racing with thoughts and prayers.
4: Oh, God, please work, or at least halfway work or something. You know, if people don't like it, you're screwed. And a lot of people want to see you fail, frankly, because when you start something new... There's a lot of naysayers out there and a lot of people doubted us. So there was a lot on the line with pride and money, frankly, you know. But some of the worst feelings in the world is sometimes when you think you proved them right. You know what I mean? So we can't let them be right.
3: After the break, game on. It's Friday night, October the 15th, 2004. The Trashers' debut game against the Adirondack Frostbite, a well-established team from Glen Falls, about 160 miles north of Danbury. In the arena, the stands are packed. And in homes all across town, dial-up internet connections are whirring as they tune into danburytrashers.com to catch Phil's live stream. Time for a final mic check.
5: Check, check, check. There we go. And then
3: his voice fills thousands of homes across Danbury.
5: I'm Phil Chibalea. We're at the Danbury Arena here in Danbury, Connecticut, inaugural game. They're calling in a crowd of about 3,000 here in Danbury.
3: From his brand new, slightly makeshift broadcasting booth, Phil has the best view in the house. He looks out to see the ice glistening under the bright lights. He can see right into the owner's suite. Jimmy looks confident, arms crossed, a smile on his lips. AJ's fidgeting nervously.
5: A lot of folks watching the first ever modern professional sports franchise city history.
3: In tiers of freshly welded stands, rows of fans and local dignitaries sit packed tightly together. Even the mayor is here.
5: the Danbury ...have an NHL-quality facility for their locker rooms. It is simply amazing. Giant lockers, weight room facility, coaches, offices all up there, all brand new.
3: The players leave the locker room and head to their benches, preparing to go out on the ice.
5: Now the Danbury Trasher beginning to come out onto the ice.
3: As the seconds tick down to game time, the atmosphere is reaching a crescendo.
8: It was like an electrical field you could feel coming off the fans. You could almost feel the heat coming over the glass from all the bodies in there.
3: On the ringside bench, surrounded by other trashers, sits one of the team's top players, Brad Wingfield.
8: The noise, you can't even hear yourself talk. So it was pretty wild. And we wanted to get out there and kick some ass.
3: Time for his pre-game ritual.
8: I like the smelling salts. Those things wake you up. So you crack it. Ah, you get fired up.
3: Each to their own. Brad's getting ready to skate out onto the ice. Only seconds to go until the puck drops. Suddenly, Brad's old enemy turned scout is marching towards him. It's Thomas T-Bone Pompicello, and he's waving something in Brad's direction.
8: There's a Motorola flip phone. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, I can't take a phone. I'm at a pro hockey game. I can't answer the phone. He's like, take the phone. I'm like, I can't answer the phone. And He's like, look over at Jimmy's box. And I look up across the way at Jimmy's private box. He's got a Motorola phone and he's holding it like that. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Jimmy.
3: And when Jimmy's on the phone, you take the call.
8: So I grab the phone.
3: Brad presses the phone underneath his helmet so he can hear Jimmy's voice over the roaring crowd. I'm like, hello. None of the other players on the bench next to Brad can hear what's being discussed. But Brad is nodding.
8: Oh, interesting. Okay, you got it.
3: He hands the phone back to T Bone and skates out onto the ice. He's a man on a mission. The two teams line up, heads down, sticks at the ready. Right
5: now, the, mayor of Danbury, mayor. the mayor of
3: Danbury walks out onto centre ice. He joined by a couple of other luminaries. He's here for the ceremonial puck drop to mark the beginning of the game. Then it's down to business. The mayor scurries off the ice to the safety of the stands and leaves the referee to perform the real puck drop. All eyes now on that little disc of rubber as it slips from his fingertips towards the ice. The game is in motion.
5: And it is controlled by the The
3: players swarm, trying to gain control. And here comes Brad Wingfield, single-minded. He slams a rival player into the boards. Then he's trying to instigate a fight. But for now, his rival isn't having it. He skates away. But it's clear things are going to get very violent, very quickly, even for hockey. will
5: we'll go to the penalty box.
3: After just two minutes, Brad sent straight into the penalty box to cool off.
5: Brad Wingfield gets a big round of applause from the Danbury people here at the ice arena.
3: In hockey, minor altercations like these are known as scuffles. They only last a few seconds and players get sent to the box, but the game continues. The team who landed the penalty have to play on with a one-man disadvantage, and that's known as power play, or five-on-four.
5: For the in the-
3: While Brad waits out his penalty minutes, goaltender Scott Sterling and team captain Brent Gretzky, little brother of superstar Wayne, glide towards the frostbite goal. Gretzky, Brent may not have the international fame of his brother, but as AJ promised to the good people of Danbury, this Gretzky is still a great player. He passes to Blake Belfay, the Trasher centre, who fires the puck into the net. As the Trashers celebrate their first goal Brad gets back on the ice He doesn't waste any time He drops his gloves He wants to fight a rival player This time it's Scott Page and Page takes him up on the offer The whistle blows and the referee halts the game it's time for what hockey players have described to me as the game within the game, a.k.a. a legal fist fight.
8: We throw our gloves back and out of the way, we get rid of the sticks, then we square off.
3: Brad and Scott grab each other.
5: And has fallen off in his
3: this is a fully-fledged fight.
6: back of Paige's head.
3: The crowd roars.
6: Crowds will always get into hockey fights. They're going to yell and scream and get really excited. It's going to get everybody on their feet.
3: From his position high above the ice, commentator Phil Jubileo watches the Trashers fans transform. From law-abiding dambarians to bloodthirsty barbarians.
6: I think even, like, if you were a family with your kids in there, it's, well, it's part of the sport. You're going to go kind of watch it and get real excited and... um, The first night kind of got everybody into it.
3: Brad is throwing punches at his rival's head.
5: head
3: Other players move out of the way so the crowd can soak up the spectacle. seems bonkers that this is all within the rules, but it is.
5: They continue to mix it up, trying to free that left hand in a far circle. So they beginning to get a bit tired. This,
3: this is no time for napping. It looks like someone's neck is about to get broken. They're bending each other backwards, tearing at each other's jerseys. Now here comes with
5: a couple of to the head. You
8: have to be able to grab onto your opponent's jersey just because you're on ice. So one hand's got to hold on and one hand's swinging.
3: Refs in black-and-white striped jerseys hover awkwardly around the fighting men.
5: To free back he down.
3: The players are down on the ice. Wingfield is on top of Page and punching hard. Oh boy, it, it looks frantic, but Wingfield is in the zone.
8: It actually goes completely quiet. It's serene and calm. you like a wave, like a giant wave. It's It's just bizarre. You can't hear the crowd. Everything's quiet.
3: A ref launches himself on top of the brawl. Another ref comes in and pins the players to the ice. The fight ends, and Brad pops out from under the referee's grip with a huge grin on his face.
5: And that's one in Winfield, Sabre,
3: as he that. In no other sport do the referees facilitate mid-game punch-ups. But here you have it, people. Hockey. I'm not going to lie, I find this really strange. I'm the kind of person who watches medical dramas through my fingers. Looking at blood makes me feel sick. But luckily for Jimmy and AJ, the crowd in Danbury that night, they're nothing like me.
4: There were so many fans out there that just loved the fighting and the toughness, so they just loved us because we were giving them what they always dreamed about. Just a team that, like a cake assembly line, like every two minutes a a tough guy was coming out and... um, for people it's like wow this is this is different you know we we were different we were just different breed
3: and brad wingfield is a different beast as he emerges from his trance-like fight mode he stares up at the screaming fans
8: the crowd goes into a frenzy you see the way your team reacts to it and the way the fans react to it and you're like oh that was pretty awesome i think i'll definitely be doing that again
3: Brad Wingfield obviously gets a kick out fighting. But tonight, he wasn't simply following his violent instincts. He's been acting on specific orders. Remember that phone call from Jimmy Galante before the game? Well, it turns out Jimmy was giving instructions.
8: He was basically calling some on-ice hits. That's what was going on.
3: A hockey hitman executing the instructions of Jimmy Galante who's looking down from the owner's box with the same delight as all the other Trasher supporters in the arena.
5: You know what? I'm having a great time here at the Trasher's game. Well, I'm missing the hype right now because I couldn't get in a chance of...
3: But not everyone has a smile on their face. It was a fucking gong show at times. Commissioner Brassell is not happy.
7: If you're going to do that, there's ramifications... Okay, for every action, there's a reaction. They paid dearly for it.
3: That's after the break.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
1: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real steal. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend Bob. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Danbury Trashers are killing it. Just 20 minutes into their first game, and they're winning. Two to nothing. Tough guy Brad Wingfield is giving it all he's got. Oh, and a big hit! From the family's private suite above the ice, teenage team president A.J. Galante is watching the Trashers wipe the floor with their rivals, the Adirondack Frostbite.
5: A lot of those folks not expecting Danbury to come out sharp tonight, but they have, and Adirondack hanging in there. A very intense and heated rivalry developing between the Trashers and Adirondack.
3: Commissioner Richard Brassel is watching the newest team in his league playing rough. But so far, it's mostly within the rules. Although, as the game continues, it's not just the on-ice action Brassell's worried about. From his seat, he can hear everything AJ's saying. And it's not pretty.
7: You fucking suck, you piece of shit. Don't come in my fucking arena, you fucking puke. AJ's having a field day, yelling at all the opposing players, threatening um, that, you know, we're going to get your ass, you better look over your fucking shoulder.
3: Just a few months earlier, AJ was told he'd never play hockey again. And now he's living the game through his team, feeling every hit and loving every takedown. AJ's hyped, but Brasile is not impressed. This teenager is making his league look less than professional, but there's nothing he can do about it he's wedged in between wild fans. And the game is hotting up.
5: It's
3: a frostbite
5: score.
3: Anxieties rise in the owner's box. They're closing in on the Trasher's lead. It's now two to one. But then, the Trasher's fight back, delivering one final killer blow.
5: They're poking it ahead to Borlang. Borlang up to the near way. tries to corral it in. Shoot to the end That's next goal! And that will seal it up for the Danbury Trasher as they take a two-goal advantage with less than 20 seconds to play.
3: The final score is 3-1. The Danbury Trashers have won. You can hear the emotion in Phil's voice. Like, he can barely believe what he's just witnessed.
5: There. First-ever franchise win in their first-ever game.
3: His brand-new team have dominated tonight. Not only that, they've put on a show. We've
5: had a lot of physical play here tonight, and I'm expecting we will see more of it as the season rolls
6: on. It was just such a great opening night. You know, everyone kind of came out really kind of like, jazzed up over the experience and probably just let out a big collective like sigh of relief that we pulled it off.
3: Danbury's on a high. As fans leave the arena to celebrate their victory in the downtown bars, Commissioner Brassell marches straight over to the Glante's suite. AJ is grinning his face off.
7: Mr. Brassell, how about that fucking game? I go, hey, the game was really good. AJ, you're fined a thousand fucking dollars. Now, keep in mind, this is minor league hockey. Okay. $1,000 $1,000 is a lot of freaking money. What do I fucking do? What did you fucking do? You're fucking threatening and yelling the F-bombs and telling them they're fucking pieces of shit. I'm a fucking fan. No, you're a fucking owner. You have to be held to a higher fucking standard. Okay? The whole arena could hear you. The players can hear you. You know, you have to hold yourself. You're, you're a GM, owner of the team, okay? You can't do shit like that. You just can't.
3: As general manager and president of this team, AJ's meant to be the professional face of the Trashers.
7: It's embarrassing. And you know what? The person he embarrassed most was himself. Is that what you want to be viewed as? A punk? Just a punk? Because that's a punk action. And you know what? AJ took it like a man. Yeah, Mr. Broussel, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I, I hear you.
3: The commissioner is feeling conflicted. Bruxelles' job is to enforce the rules, but he also wants publicity for the league. So on one level, he's panicking. Like, how is he going to rein this kid in? But on another level, since the fans seem to be loving it all so much, he's kind of excited.
7: There is inside this, this feeling, quite frankly, that this is going to fucking work. When you look at something like that on game one, the very first game, okay, and you see the passion, and you see how crazy everybody is, I mean, they're going to pull this off.
3: And as for AJ, at the end of the game, you'd think he'd be feeling relieved. All those fears of failure, fears of letting down his dad and his city, he overcame them all. He pulled it off. A team of misfits born from the minds of a garbage man and his kid's son. And they might actually be pretty good. A team the city of Danbury can get behind. But in AJ's head.
4: You know, it's funny, you would think it would make you feel happy or comfortable. But really, it just put more pressure, because now you're like, okay, well, now every single time we go out, we have to be equal or better to what we did. It was a lot of pressure.
3: AJ's team might be on top right now, but he knows staying on top isn't going to be easy. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears.
4: We'll do whatever it takes to win
3: whatever it takes but AJ and Jimmy have to be careful because as their debut season heats up all eyes and ears are now firmly on the trashers not only by the supporters in the stands all the press in the galleries i don't talk
8: to my competitors
3: the trashers and all jimmy galante's business interests were being watched by the law.
7: Why I'm telling you, I didn't step anybody down, number one. And number two, if you want a to towel, let me know, tough
3: guy. Wiretaps were in place. Undercover operatives installed.
7: Just mind your business, I mind mine. It's a real simple fucking thing. No problem. Look, I'm going to tell you something about. very nice. OK? You know, for every
2: action,
1: there's a reaction.
3: That's coming up next on The Fighty Pucks.
7: When I have a beef with you, I'll be standing on your front doorstep. a You come out in the morning. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor, Bob Tiger. It's going to get you jammed up.
2: Fighty Pucks
3: is produced by Novel for iHeartRadio. For more from Novel, visit Novel.audio. The series is hosted by me, Claire Crofton, and produced by me, Joe Wheeler, and Amalia Sortland. The executive producer is David Waters. Story editing from Max O'Brien, Mythali Rao, and Austin Mitchell. Our field producer is Babette Thomas. Our fact-checker is Dania Suleiman. Our hockey sensitivity reader is Nikhil Desai. Production management from Cherie Houston and Charlotte Wolfe. Sound design, mixing and scoring by Nicholas Alexander. Additional engineering by Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Nicholas Alexander and David Waters. Original music composed by Eric Phillips. Willard Foxton is creative director of development. Special thanks to Sean Glynn, Katrina Norvell, David Vasselman, Sean Tone, and Beth Ann Macaluso.
0: Novel Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.